So we, uh, we started our series. If you haven't been with us, this preaching series, we started like seven weeks ago now. Do you believe it? So we spent six weeks building up to Christmas, and then Christmas Eve was week number six. And, uh, and then today we're following up. This is the end of it. I don't know if you're glad or a little bit sad about it, but uh, we've been following the events of the beginning of Luke's gospel. So Luke sets about to tell the story of Jesus, and he starts, not every gospel story starts in the same place, but Luke starts with these birth narratives. He starts with Zechariah, an old man in the temple, an old priest who goes to the temple, gets chosen, uh, one out of like 8,000 priests, to be in the temple and to serve inside the holy place. And so he's in there and an angel appears to him and says, like, basically, this is your lucky day. God is going to use you. He's an old man. His wife is older. And yet he's told he's going to have a son that's going to get things ready for the Messiah to come. And uh, then we've been tracking with the story right up till Christmas Eve when we talked about Jesus coming. And then we pick up the story this morning eight days later in uh, Luke chapter 2 and beginning at verse 21. And I just invite you to close your eyes if you'd like to as, uh, as we kind of consider what this scene was like and, and picture these events. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given to him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for the purification offering, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout man and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms And praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you've promised. I've seen your salvation, which you've prepared for all people. He's a light to reveal God to the nations, and he's the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. 
She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. So uh, as the story unfolds, as I said, it kind of started with Zechariah, and uh, he's in the temple. He's told he's going to have a son, and his son's going to get things ready for the Messiah, for the rescuer, for the hero to come. And so he's told that John would, his son would be named John, and, and that was going to be his role. And if you remember, then there was that scene where nine months later, uh, John is born, and there's family all gathered around, family and friends and neighbors, and they have the circumcision, and they're all gathered, and, and it's time to name the baby, and they all think, you should name him Zechariah Jr., but, but uh, Elizabeth is having none of that. She says, no, his, his name's John, and nobody's listening to her, and so they start motioning to Zechariah because he's been mute for nine months because he wouldn't believe the angel, right? Like, he hasn't been able to talk. And then he writes down on a tablet, his name is John, and that's the moment he can talk again, Right? So this is how the story unpacked. It began with Zechariah, an old man, and his older wife kind of cradling a newborn baby. A promise of God that he would have a role in the plan to bring the Messiah, the hero, the rescuer, the one who would save the universe. And now we come, you know, we built up to Christmas, and and then we come to this Sunday, and... uh, And and we're kind of after the main event, after the climax of the story of the birth. But but Luke's gospel kind of goes, well, this is the next thing that happened eight days later in the temple. Another old man holding a baby. And talking about the future of what's going to happen. Now, how many of you, it's Christmas, it's uh, New Year's. It's not Christmas, it's New Year's. How many many people here uh, made resolutions? I guess that's not a thing anymore. The same in the early service. Nobody, not one. Do you know people who make New Year's resolutions? Do you remember what those are? Does everybody know what I'm talking about? Or young ones, is that just not a thing? They don't have those on TikTok? I don't know. All right. So I find that really fascinating that nobody made resolutions. Um, That's cool. I didn't either. But there used to be this thing in the olden days that we would uh, we'd crawl down off our dinosaurs and we would go, hey, let's make a promise that I'm going to do that this year. And, and back in the day, it would be something like quitting smoking or losing weight or I'm going to exercise more. Some bad habit you wanted to ditch or some good habit that you wanted to do. It was all about, seemed to be all about self-improvement. It was something, some goal you were setting for yourself and you said, this year, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to make my life better. And so it kind of took on this sense of it being about you. Well, we get to our story, and Mary and Joseph have just had a baby boy. 
And so they've been there, and, and as we talked about on Christmas Eve, you know, they're, they're, they, she's had this long road trip, Mary, nine months pregnant, long road trip to Bethlehem. The baby's born, they didn't have a hotel room, there was no room in the inn, so they're in a stable, which is a barn, right? And, and it's ugly and it smells, and the only place she's got to lay her baby is in a cattle trough. But, you know, she gets through it. The night ends and, and we get excited about it and we see the whole scene. There's no angels at the manger. They're, they're out in the fields with the shepherds and they show up later. And if you've ever been around shepherds that have been working in the fields, they smell like the animals. So it's not, that's not cool either. But for her, that's the only thing that happened. But we see, we hear about how the shepherds are visited by the angel choirs and, oh! And, you know, it sounds really exciting and it's good and we know what's coming and how exciting this story is. So we get excited about it. But for them, it it had to be a little bit of a downer, right? You're told your son is going to have this important role. He's going to save the entire world. And yet, you know, little underwhelming. And we come to that moment and we're told Mary, you know, treasured these things in her heart. But now, after the fact, eight days later, Mary and Joseph... are kind of in stark contrast and even though our story began with Zechariah you know when his baby was born they they had family and friends all gather around all excited about the naming of this baby and and you should name him Zechariah Jr. because you guys are such good people you and your wife and and what if he grew up to be just like you wouldn't that be fabulous and and all of this excitement was surrounding it but you notice when mary and joseph are at the manger they're alone and now eight days later when they go to the temple it's like they walk in there just them and baby jesus and they're there to offer a sacrifice and they're there to have the baby dedicated and they're there to do the circumcision that's required by the law and they're they're doing these things that everybody does with little baby boys in in israel and and they get there and they're kind of on their own And so there's crowds of people around, but it's just them together, right? And then all of a sudden, this old guy is coming up to them, and and he wants to hold the baby, and he's looking down at this baby, and he goes, basically, uh, he tells Mary and Joseph, he says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you promised. I have seen your salvation, which you've prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he's the glory of your people Israel. So he says, now let your servant die in peace as you promised. I've seen your salvation. So there's that two-part thing that he says, I'm ready to die. I've seen your salvation. Like, I've seen what's coming. This is the savior of the world. Like, he's the hero that's going to rescue everybody. He's going to make everything right. I've seen him. I don't have to wait to see what he's going to do. I know what he's going to do. And if I've laid eyes on him, I'm good to go now. Like, I can check out any time. God promised me I'd stick around till I saw this happen. And now that he's here, I'm done. I can just check out in peace. Like, let me just die in peace because I've, I've, I've seen the promise. Like, it's all downhill from here. This is, this is the peak of my life. And so he says, I've seen your salvation, which you prepared for all people. He's a light to reveal God to the nations, and he's the glory of your people, Israel. It goes, everybody on earth is going to be affected by this. Like, he's prepared this for all people. He's prepared this salvation so that it's available to anybody 
at all. I, he's come to do something that's going to affect the entire way that the universe works. He's the hero, and he's the hero of our story. And there's no one that doesn't qualify for it. He says he's a light to reveal God to the nations, and he's the glory of the people of Israel. Like it started in the people of Israel, but it's bigger than that, way bigger than that. And so then it says Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Like that's, that's their response. They were, of course they were amazed. This is exciting stuff, right? Like somebody says, oh, you got a cute baby boy there. You, you beam a little bit. But somebody says, your son is going to save the world. If you even believe him a little bit, that's amazing. And so they're amazing. But then it says, Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He says, this child is destined to make some people fall and some people rise. Like the whole weight of the world's on him so that he, his very existence is going to divide people into two categories, people who rise and people who fall, and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. So not everyone's going to oppose him, but many will oppose him. So there are people who will rise and fall. There are people who will oppose him and people who will believe in him, who will be with him, who will follow him. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. He says, what's deep within you, who you really are, the stuff that nobody else sees from the inside, that's the stuff that will be the dividing line that will put you in one category of people or the, or the other. You'll either be somebody who falls or you'll be somebody who rises. You'll either be somebody who opposes Jesus or you'll be somebody who decides to follow Jesus. And he says, all of that's like something that's so deep down that you're in that category or you're not, and it won't always show on the outside. It won't be obvious, but it will reveal what's going on. And he says, and then he says, you know, he's telling these young parents, your kid's going to save everybody. He's going to provide this thing that'll make a difference that anybody can tap into. It's, it's for the whole world. And he says, this is who he is, which is just so incredible. And then he follows it up. He says, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. That's what he says to Mary. New mom, challenging birth, not the idealist of circumstances. And she brings this baby into the world. She's got this great hope for him because of what God's saying to her. But everything in her circumstance, everything in her experience so far has been less than ideal, to say the least, right? And she comes into the temple and Simeon's saying all this wonderful stuff and you go, oh, good. An encouraging word, right? That's kind of nice. We were here alone and, and we're amazed what cr- great things he's saying. And then he keeps talking and he ends it with, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Can you imagine walking up to some newborn's mom and saying, oh, your baby's so cute. But you know, get ready for the sword that'll pierce you. It's like he's saying all this great stuff and then he's warning them about the ugliness of life about the things that happen that we have no control over, about something that she has no say in. 
that is going to stab her so deeply that she'll feel it in her soul. It's not the kind of thing we usually say to moms and newborns, right? But this is what Simeon says, and and it might seem like an ugly thing to say, hadn't she been through enough? Hadn't her heart taken enough of a beating? Hadn't she faced enough challenges? Doesn't she just deserve some kind words at this point? Doesn't she need an encouragement? What a roller coaster she's been on where an angel tells her about the role of the baby and, and then, you know, she has, uh, she becomes pregnant and she's having this baby and, and she's got to make this long road trip and, and she's there with Joseph and they're alone and they're in a stable and all of that had happened and they felt like, you know, it was like, I kind of remember that angel, but, but right now everything is not really going the way I would have hoped. And sometimes our lives are like that, right? Where you, where you get those high highs, those wonderful moments, and then it's like as soon as you're having a great time, there's that crash to earth, that thing that happens, those circumstances that hit us and blindside us, and we feel like I was, I was finally feeling like maybe things would get better. And life can kick us sometimes when we least expect it. Life can come at us with stuff. Good news and then bad news. And I wonder, I wonder how Mary is feeling at that very moment. Like she's hearing all these wonderful things about Jesus, about her baby, and, and knowing that there's such hope in him, not just hope for their family, not just, you know, maybe we're going to have a nice life and we're going to eke out a living and, and maybe everything is, is bright and cheery. Like babies can make you feel that way. Any baby can. But, but the sense that this baby is going to save the entire world and change everything for the better. And then he says to her, you know, your, sore, your soul's going to be pierced. And what's she supposed to do? Look on the bright side? Is she supposed to ignore what he says about rejection for her son and, and just focus on the other stuff? And this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your, your very soul too. So he's saying Jesus is going to be a sign and many will fall and many will rise and all these things are going to happen. And he tells her that he's going to do something that matters so much that people will either be with him or not with him. But his goal is that anybody who would let him, he would save them. Like he'd rescue them. That everything that, that makes their lives ugly, he's willing to deal with. And so it's all up to them whether they'll follow him or not, but, but it's going to have consequences. And so he wants to save them. And see, the thing is that Mary had spent all this time, and we're told in the earlier uh, passage just before this that, that she treasured these things in her heart, that she remembered what happened, that she looked back on all these circumstances, even with all the challenges surrounding this birth, she'd always look back and treasured these memories. It says that she treasured them in her heart, like she hung on to them. She looked back at them, and she remembered what the angel had said, and she remembered the goal of this child, and she remembered the difference that he would make. So the thing is, when, when Simeon starts talking and he says these wonderful things, it's just reconfirming what she'd been told and what she believes. 
And it doesn't say, but a sword will pierce your heart. It says, and a sword will pierce your heart. Because the thing is that it's not, he's not wiping away all the good that's going to happen. It's not, you know, this will happen, but for you, it's really going to stink. It's like, this is going to happen, and he's going to do these wonderful things, and that's going to happen too. The ugliness is going to come. The, the soul-piercing ugliness of the world and what they can do to your son is going to happen, and you're going to watch it happen, and it's going to hurt. But know that that will not wipe out. What Simeon said before that. It doesn't contradict it. It doesn't overwhelm it. It's not the last and the final word because the last and the final word is that Jesus is our hero. That he's come to save us. And so Simeon doesn't look back on his life and say, well, I hope this or I look to the future. He sees the future come and he goes, I don't even need to be here to see it all play out. I know my part in the plan of God, and he told me that I would see the Messiah, and now that I've seen him, I'm all right. I'm good to go. If the next step is that I die, I die, but I know where I'm going, and I know my future, and I know the future of the people of Israel and the future of the entire world because of this baby in my arms. And Mary's looking at the baby the same way. So she keeps on treasuring these things in her heart. And she keeps on holding on to this message of hope. And so despite the roller coaster, despite the circumstances, despite the ugliness of life and the ugliness of people sometimes around her, she's got this promise that Jesus will make all the difference. That he will be her savior. And the world's savior. And your savior and my savior. And so there's this promise and a cost, but the cost is worth it for her. And so then, you know, Simeon has spoken this prophecy. He's spoken on God's behalf to these parents and told them what God is doing and reaffirmed for them the truth of who their son is. And then this other prophet, Anna, comes by. First it's like, you know, the, the old man prophet. And then this older woman walks by and she just overhears. And she doesn't even say anything according to the way the story unfolds. She doesn't even say anything to Joseph and Mary. But she's a prophet, we're told. She speaks for God, just like Simeon speaks for God. And so she walks by And we're told her immediate reaction is to walk away praising and to go tell everybody she can tell, everybody that's been waiting to be rescued, everybody who's desperate for a better situation in life, everybody that's concerned about their future and hoping that God will send someone to make things better. She says, well, he's here. It's coming. It's in this young couple's arms, and we haven't seen it yet, but it's here. And everything's going to change because he's here. Because God has shown up wrapped in human flesh so that he can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. So that he can rescue us. So that he can save us from the ugliness in our world. So one prophet, he tells 
the young couple what they need to know so that they can raise Jesus to understand his destiny. And then the other prophet, she speaks to everybody else who is so desperate for a rescuer, so desperate for a hero, so desperate for intervention to make life doable. She speaks to them, but she's speaking to us. And she's telling us there's hope and there's a reason to praise because Jesus is here and nothing will ever be the same again because there's hope in him. And anyone who doesn't reject him, anyone who receives him, there is life, good life, whole life, abundant life, full life. And no matter what the world throws at you, and no matter how ugly it gets, and no matter your circumstances or what you have, if you got Jesus, if you accept Jesus, it changes the entire world for you. And that, that is a beautiful thing.